0: Things are a little different. We're up a little bit earlier. Does this go up any higher? Maybe not. I'm too tall. I'll ask Cole to stay up here because he can help me up with, just, with something in just a second. Um, you know, we're all dressed a little bit different. We're all ready to go out and do some stuff. But uh, we're going to spend some time in God's Word, and some of that we're going to spend in John chapter 17, looking at Jesus' last prayer. But before we get into that, uh, we've got a little thing we're going to do, and, um, and so we're going to divide you in half, right? And so that's why I need coal up here. Uh, who here knows row, row, row your boat? <laughs> right. So uh, so we're going to do a little round. And actually, I'm going to have you start, you, your side over there. So it's kind of a competition because uh, you guys need to be loud enough so that they don't drown you out when you're starting, when they've already started going. So, so you're going to start. Ready? So, row. Row, row, row your boat, gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Row, row, row your boat, gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. All right, thank you, Cole. Go ahead and sit down. All right, uh, how's that feel to exercise your your unity. We're going to be talking about unity in serving today. Uh, It happens that it's day of serving, but this applies to more than just uh, serving. This unity in serving, you'll kind of see by the end, is something that applies to every aspect of our Christian faith. And so um, when I started looking at this topic, I started looking at outside things that we could try to help us understand unity in serving, or even just unity in general. And I looked at a lot of different things, and one of the things that I really landed on that really symbolized that idea of unity is rowing, or, as I have been corrected, crew. Uh, if you know what rowing is, rowing it's in the Olympics. Uh, it's at most colleges that uh, are large enough to have a rowing team and are probably near a body of water. Uh, you have anywhere from like four to eight people in a boat. And they're all rowing in unison, right? And so there's some, things that, there's some things that I learned this week after spending a little bit of time on my own looking at rowing from someone that we all know, or most of us know, that was on a rowing team. In fact, he was recruited when he was signing up at college to be on the crew team. And so Gary Chapman, would you raise your hand and kind of wave it in the air? Everybody needs to know where you're at. Here's what you need about. Here's what you need to know about crew. We'll talk a little bit about some of the specifics, but um, it's got a whole slew of words that most of us don't use, right? So there's the um, the boat is called the shell. Uh, the rowers are called scullers, and the captain. Well, what I call the captain, the person that's barking the orders in the little megaphone on the boat, is the coxswain, and that was Gary. Gary was in that position, and he didn't have, a, he didn't have an oar, and uh, he sat at the, the back of the boat, or the front, depending on your perspective. He sat at the back, and all the rowers faced him, but they were going that way. So that meant his job was really, really important. His job was one to kind of keep the rhythm going. Uh, once the other boats passed, he was the one to say, okay, team whatever is over here. This one's a little bit further. We're almost caught up to team three. So he could communicate. Um, he's the one who kept the rhythm. If somebody was out of sync, he would call out their number and correct them. And, uh, and so his job was super important. There's always a danger of a couple different things with this. One is, uh, is, is falling out, and it's pretty dangerous um, in a river couple of things that I learned is that, um, that in in rowing or in crew, uh, breathing is not like a normal thing like it would be in most sporting things. In most sporting events, you can freely kind of breathe of your own accord, but in rowing, and Gary, I didn't even talk to you about this, but you can correct me if I'm wrong, they almost had to breathe twice, really shallow, really quick breaths between each stroke. and um, And so... It was, a very, it was a very regulated form of, of thing that they were doing. And so um, there, was, there was danger in getting out of sync with that stuff. There's danger in falling into the river. There's obviously danger of getting hit with a boat or, a, or an oar. And, um, and so they had to work together or there was certain disaster. Now, the only thing Gary doesn't know is we actually found some, some blooper footage of, of his experience and so uh, let's go ahead and watch that up here together. You can see Gary's boat is in the middle that just turned over. We've got one rescue boat. Uh, There's another one coming in. His boat's blocked another boat. Oh, there's a third rescue boat coming in. I think they've got enough uh, life rafts for this one. And they saved everybody. So that wasn't Gary's uh, highlights, of course. But you can see even just minor things, how it can go out of sync and things can kind of get messed up. And, and I saw some, some really funny ones. If you go look, they weren't, you know, nobody got super injured, so they're, so they're kind of fun to watch. Just look up uh, Rowing Fails on YouTube. And, um, and so there was this one that, that was long, and so that's why I didn't show it to you, but the boat got stuck in the middle. And I don't know why they just stopped there, but they just stopped there, and one boat ran into them. And the crowd is right there on the side of the boat yelling, get out of the way. You're in the way of the other teams. And they sat there. The other one that ran into them, they sat there. And then a third boat comes in and hits them. And it's like they could have moved, but they were just just sitting there. They weren't touching their oars. They were just sitting there. And and I saw this. It was a It was female teams. And I saw this one girl out there as the crowd is yelling, kind of like kind of rudely. This one girl just goes, (sighs) (laughs) and I can imagine that was what was going inside of her. Like we we need to move out of the way. We're bringing disaster. Somebody actually said, "You're ruining the other boats' experience." (sighs) So. If we are going to serve well, then we need to serve in unity. The last thing we want to do is ruin each each other's experience in serving, whether it's today or any other day, uh, or other teams or other other groups. Um, So let's go ahead, and if you haven't already, turn to John 17, verses 20 through 23. And this was the prayer of Jesus the night before he died. So I feel like any time you have a prayer the night before somebody dies is pretty important. And when it's Jesus, well, that kind of trumps everything else, right? As as far as other people's prayers, other people's last night, last word things. And so these are the words that he chose to spend talking with his father the night before he died, the night before chaos ensued, right? And so here's what he said in these three verses. My prayer is not for them alone, talking about the disciples, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I am in them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. All right, so if you've got your sermon notes, the little sheet inside the bulletin, the sermon page, there's a way you can follow along. And the first thing there is that unity in serving pleases God. Unity in serving pleases God. Jesus would not have mentioned this if this was not something that was dear to his heart. This was not dear to who he was and what he wanted to do. It was so important that he prayed it the night before he died. If it was that important to him, it better be important to us. And he prayed it because it pleased God and fits in his plan. The second thing is that unity in serving will be difficult. Serving in unity is not going to be easy. The easy way out is not making the the difficult choices. Um, As an artist, um, there's so many times I would love to take the easy way out. What I mean by that is I'll have spent an hour or two working on something, and I get to it, and I think, this is just not right. And it's not something I can tweak at the end. It's not something that I can do towards the the end. It's something fundamentally wrong with what I've done. And I have to scrap it and start all over. It's a hard decision because it feels like I've just thrown away hours of my life. Now, if I really stop and think about that as an artist, what I'm actually doing is I'm practicing, 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 and then I'm finally doing it right. And so I think... As we explore in life, as we serve, if we keep practicing, practicing, practicing to do it right, eventually we'll be doing it right more and more often. Um, But serving will be difficult. Um, It doesn't mean that you'll not have conflicts. Philippians 3, 7 says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ." but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Unity in serving will be difficult. The third thing there on your sheet is that unity in serving requires discipline. Discipline means making regular attempts, and keeping your, making regular attempts at keeping your faith. In check, and in fresh, and strong. One way to do this is through spiritual disciplines, like meditation or fasting, or reading your Bible. And I think that you'll find in all the spiritual disciplines, their basis is in the Word of God, because that is the heart of God. 2 Timothy 3.17 says, So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's what the Word of God gives us. It's so that we can be equipped for every good serving, every good work. But let's read what he says right before that. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Unity in serving is not an exception That's your next space there. It's not an exception, meaning it's not just meant for serving, and I kind of briefly mentioned that at the beginning. Unity and serving is the goal. It's what you do day to day as a Christian. It's what you do in your faith. It's what you do that points people to God. Jesus doesn't say only when they serve should they be unified. Let's reread that verse in John 17 again. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be in one, all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. He didn't say when they serve. He meant at all times. It's not an exception. It is the rule. We are to serve in unity. And that means when it's difficult. And that means when we have to be Disciplined we are to serve in unity so elsewhere we see J- jesus say why he came and that kind of helps us to get a little bit better grasp of this idea that it's not an exception mark 10:45 says for even as the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many that is our goal that is our example to follow He came to serve and not be served. That is your charge, church. That is your challenge, to serve and not to be served. That doesn't mean if somebody ever does something nice for you, you you stand up, you throw it in their face, say, no, I don't want to be served. Receive that graciously. It's giving others an opportunity to do what God has called them to do. What it means is don't make excuses for yourself. We are all called to serve while we have breath. It may look different, but we're all called to serve. So I've got one more fill in the blank there, but before we do that, there are three dangers that I see uh, when we're trying to have unity in serving um, or unity in anything as as a follower. Um, The first one would be complaining. I don't know if you're ever around people that complain, but I don't like to be. Um, and you see it starts to spread, kind of like a cancer to the people around you when people complain. Philippians two fourteen 14-15 says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. As we go out, as we do things here for VBS, we are lights in the world. This body that meets here at 31st and Hudson is a light in this community. You can go back and read number 16 on your own, and I highly encourage it. It's a great treatise on the effects of complaining and grumbling. Uh, The short cliff notes is that people complained against Moses and God, and God killed them. Now doesn't mean what i'm saying is going to happen to you if you complain just be warned it has happened so what do we do instead romans 12:2 says do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what god's will is his good pleasing and perfect will the second danger is similar to complaining but it's different it's gossip it's the kind of the whispering It's the aside. It's the something that happens after the after meeting. It's it's when you're not around that person anymore, that juicy tidbit that you can't wait to share. Proverbs 18.8 says this, The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. 1 Timothy 5.13 says, Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house, and not only do they become idlers, but also busybodies who talk nonsense, saying things they ought not to. Now, it's talking about a specific group, but the concept there is true. When we gossip, when we whisper and say things, we say things we ought not to. We become busybodies and not busy at the work that God has for us, which is serving. So what do you do instead? Instead. Bridle your tongue. James 126 says, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Ouch. The ESV said, bridle their tongue, and I liked that. Bridle, those who don't bridle their tongue, deceive themselves. When your tongue feels like it's unbridled, keep it in check. The third danger there is laziness. Second Thessalonians 3 11 and 12 says, We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They're not busy, they're busybodies, again with the busybody talk. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. James 4, 17 says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. Now that's talking about the work of God, but elsewhere we see in Proverbs and other places this idea of we are supposed to not be lazy. And if we're talking about what our calling is in Christ, we are not to be lazy in our charge from Christ to serve and to not be served not be lazy in that. All right, so back to our unity in serving. That last thing there is that unity in serving points people to God. What's the purpose of life? This question that people seem to still want to know the answer to. There's really only a couple of answers. To know God and to make him known. That's it. There's your, there's your thing when somebody asks you, what's the purpose of life? To know God and to make him known. Now, that may mean, need a lifetime of you relating to them and showing them, but that's the essence. Jesus' prayer shows that unity is a way to do that. Uh, in the last half of verse 21, it says, May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are therefore... Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Today and every other day, we are Christ's ambassadors. We are his representatives. That is our challenge today. When Angie and I were missionaries, we visited lots of churches, and there was a church in the Oklahoma City area, that as we were leaving their parking lot and we visited there a few times, that as we were leaving their parking lot, we always thought it was cool because they had a sign at the exit for the people leaving that said, you are now entering your mission field. So cool. When we're leaving this parking lot, when we're leaving this place, we are entering our mission field. And when we're here doing things, like for VBS, we're preparing things for the mission field. Everything that you do in your life as a Christian is the mission field, right? It looks different for every one of us. But as we go out, that is our challenge, and it's not just today for Day of Serving. Our challenge is that it's every day. We could have that same sign in our driveways. We could have that same sign in our bedrooms. As we get up and leave, if we have people come into our home to eat or to fellowship, we are entering our mission field. That means that everything that we say and we do should be funneled through the perspective of pleasing God and pointing others to him. As we close, I want us to read those last couple of verses that follow the prayer that we already read. There's still Jesus' prayer, and there's some of his final thoughts. John 17, 25 through 26 says this. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you so much for this morning, this opportunity that we have to put into practice what we believe in our hearts, this opportunity that we have to go out into our mission field and love on others, to serve others, to help them to... See who you are by our actions and our words. Lord, I pray that we don't fall short, that we rise to your challenge. In the name of Jesus, we pray.